This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, everybody, it's Lon Sybin. It's time once again for your weekly wrap-up. I am back from my Florida adventure. It was like a mini vacation that was quite busy, and I had a great time. And I'm going to be giving you a recap of that trip, which included watching a Falcon Heavy blast off to outer space. Uh, But we also managed to stop over at Disney, and I have a few things to show you from that adventure. Uh, We're going to also look at streaming services. We just heard about Disney Plus getting announced this week. Are there too many? Are we going to hit a point where nobody's going to subscribe to anything because there's too much to subscribe to? I'll give you my thoughts on that. We'll also look at Synology versus QNAP for network-attached storage, and we'll answer a viewer's question about whether or not we should even call them network-attached storage anymore, given how many features they have. Lots to do today, so let's get to it. And before we begin, I want to thank our newest supporters on the channel. They include Pimp Twizzit and Alan Wilk. Uh, Both of them gave super chats during one of my live streams from the Space Center. I'll talk about why I was there for so long in a minute. But I want to thank both of them for their contributions and everyone who has contributed to the channel on an ongoing basis, along with everyone who watches on an ongoing basis, too, because all of those things equal channel growth. Now, of course, we didn't have anything on the Extras channel this week because I was down in Florida for the SpaceX launch. Uh, And you can watch my coverage of that launch Uh, in the master playlist down below. It was quite an experience, to say the least. We got some great audio and video from the launch, and what I did is I covered it from the perspective of an observer. What would it be like if you were there? Uh, So we had our cameras zoomed in to pretty much what you would see from the NASA press site with your eyes, and then we also uh, used our Zoom recorders to get some very accurate uh, depictions of the actual sound of that rocket launching. It was pretty cool to listen to that with headphones on. Uh, Towards the end of the video, uh, you will be able to hear it without any of my commentary if you want to get a good feel for it. But I would put on some really good headphones that have decent bass or uh, hook up your home theater system or something. I think you'll enjoy that quite a bit. I also did two live streams from the NASA press site. Uh, The first one was on April 10th when they scrubbed the first launch attempt. Uh, But I did give you a little tour of Uh, what you see when you're down there and some of the things that NASA uses uh, on that property. And then the second stream was just a little update on launch day. uh, And I was able to answer some of your questions and just connect with all of you, which was really fun to do. And this was the first time I streamed from my smartphone and had it work for uh, a good length of time. Uh, The one issue I had on the second stream was not the connection, but my phone overheated because I was out in that Florida sun. The iPhones will uh, shut themselves down when they get too hot. So that Uh, kind of ended the stream a little bit early, but I was able to get out all the things I wanted to talk about. Uh, You can see all of those videos linked down below in the master playlist. And now it's time for a couple of things that are on my mind, and this is week 111 of me doing this as a full-time occupation. And of course, this week was occupied by the space launch. Now, this thing was supposed to go off originally on Monday or Tuesday. Uh, It didn't actually go until Thursday, uh, so I didn't get back until Friday. And then my flight got canceled. I was stuck in Baltimore Uh, I didn't get home until about 2 a.m. Friday night, but it was worth it because it was really a great experience. Now, this is not uh, the first space launch I have covered. 
Uh, on this channel, we covered one about four years ago, which was another SpaceX launch. And then prior to that, I had done a bunch of coverage on the space shuttle program for a local publication here called CT News Junkie. So it's something that I really enjoy doing, and it's always great to be able to share that with all of you. Uh, the video did pretty well on this channel, at least. It was my top video of the last 10 as of yesterday, and it's still uh, in that category now. So I was pleased with the overall viewership from subscribers. I was hoping to pick up more through the algorithm, but I think what happened here is that I didn't get the video up until a day after the event due to uh, scheduling and, and travel logistics, unfortunately. So I think that might have hurt me a little bit. Uh, I was hoping to see the kind of traffic that I got on my CES dispatch uh, earlier in the year. Uh, that first dispatch I did, I uh, got about 120,000 views in short order. This one, unfortunately, did not do as well, although I'm seeing the algorithm now starting to suggest it in people's feeds. But as you can see, it is trending a bit higher than my other content typically does at this point. So overall, it was good. Uh, but the cost of covering one of these events is pretty enormous for a small channel like mine. You've got airfare, car rental, hotel. There's a lot of stuff that you have to account for from a cost perspective, which is why I don't do this all that often. But it is fun to do something different that I think engages the subscriber base in a way that I don't always do here on the channel. So these are the kinds of things I want to start doing more of. Uh, so we'll do some space stuff and maybe some other things too that might be of interest to people that have a general technology interest like I do. So I'm always open for suggestions for future content. Uh, so let me know what you think I should also cover, similar to these space missions down in the comments below. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on what you thought of the coverage that I did, because I was trying to do something a little bit differently than uh, obviously the major media will do. And of course, if people want spectacular imagery, they're going to get that directly from SpaceX. So I was really trying to give you an idea as to what it's like to see one of these things and experience it in person, and hopefully we were able to achieve that. Uh, so again, let me know your thoughts down in the comment stream below. Now, as far as specials go, we've got another one already in the can, as they say. We had a, a high-speed camera come by the house, courtesy of my friend Matt Reese, and we'll be having a pretty lengthy video on how this works uh, coming up very shortly, so stay tuned for that. Now, I wanted to give you a little vlog on my trip because we did have some time to kill, and we saw some other things while we were down in Florida. And I want to begin with a positive shout-out to Southwest because they have, uh, without question, the most flexible means of booking travel in the United States at the moment. Uh, you don't have to pay for a flight change. And I changed my flight four different times, including the airport I left from. Uh, the only thing you might have to pay is a difference in fare. Uh, but on a few occasions as I was changing my flight around, I actually picked up a couple of bucks because the uh, new fare was cheaper than the fare I had originally. So if you are looking to chase rockets or chase something else that is not all that predictable from a travel standpoint, uh, Southwest is the way to go. You will not pay any penalties for last minute uh, travel changes and they give you two checked bags for free as well. So it's a very good airline for this kind of activity and I try to fly them for these types of trips as much as I can uh, given that flexibility. Good stuff from Southwest. They didn't sponsor that by the way. I'm just very happy with them. Maybe I'll reach out to them and see if they'll sponsor future space missions. That might make it a little bit more affordable for me. Uh, so we did look at the NASA Visitor Center uh, which is not far from the Kennedy Space Center. And they've done a lot of great work here, including adding this new Atlantis exhibit. And when you walk in, you get a sense of the scale of the space shuttle program. This is a scale model 
of the booster and fuel tank. So you get to see exactly how big this thing was when you're walking in. And then inside uh, is Space Shuttle Atlantis. And they configured this building in such a way that you can get really close to it and see all the detail that you never saw on television before, uh, including some of these uh, white areas on the shuttle that are not tiles, but actually kind of a thermal blanket, if you will. It's almost like a fabric-looking material. And you can just get very good close-up views of the entire shuttle, uh, both the interior uh, of the cargo bay here, as you can see, but also uh, the bottom with the tiles and everything. It's just a tremendous way to display the space shuttle. I think it's probably the best display uh, of the three that you can visit. Uh, So if you're ever in the Orlando area, this exhibit alone, I thought, was definitely worth the time to check it out. Again, you get some really good views of everything. And they have a nice exhibit around it as well of all the different things that they did with the space shuttle. And what I really liked about the exhibit is that you didn't just rush in and see the space shuttle on display there. Uh, They make you watch a movie to learn about what you're about to see. Uh, They had a dramatization of the space shuttle design process, which was a little over-dramatized in my opinion, but it was still uh, good information. And they also, of course, talked about the things that the space shuttle accomplished, namely building the International Space Station and teaching humanity about uh, all the challenges of living and working in space. And there was a lot accomplished, even though the space shuttle did not fly that far. Uh, It did give us a lot of insight as to how Uh, I think the next decade and centuries will commence here as we start uh, getting ready to live and work on the moon and in Mars, too. So it was definitely something I would check out. You'll spend a lot of time in this exhibit. Uh, They have a memorial section where they have some uh, debris from the Challenger and Columbia and a lot of personal effects of the astronauts who lost their lives there. Uh, There's a lot of other portions of this Atlantis exhibit, too. You'll definitely uh, spend a good hour or more Uh, just looking around this part of uh, the Kennedy Space Center Visitor Center. And, of course, there's a lot more to see there, including some of the bus tours that will take you around the launch facilities. So definitely check it out. The tickets cost less than what you might pay at Disney or Universal Studios, and I think you'll get a good full day uh, out of your visit to the Visitor Center. It wasn't always the case, but I think this Atlantis exhibit will certainly uh, take up an hour or two. There's a lot to see and do inside of that building, and I spent a good amount of time just walking around the shuttle and getting a nice uh, close-up look at all the different parts of it, and I really enjoyed that part of the tour. Now, this was something that interested me, though. When I walked into the gift shop, front and center was SpaceX merchandise. You would expect to see this place full of NASA stuff, which it was, but they gave a real prime spot uh, to this SpaceX gear. Now, it's possible SpaceX might be paying for this preferable retail uh, placement, but I think there's probably more going on here. I think there is a tremendous consumer interest in Elon Musk and SpaceX and everything else, and if that uh, wasn't the case, you wouldn't see this stuff, I think, so prominently displayed inside of the flagship Uh, space store at the NASA uh, Visitor Center. So this was interesting to me, especially given that we don't see gear for Boeing or the United Launch Alliance who are competing against SpaceX and will be launching uh, similar commercial missions to the space station very soon. In fact, there are other providers already doing that uh, to the space station, including one that I believe is launching later today or tomorrow. So just interesting just to see how things are developing here. But don't worry, there's still a lot of NASA branded stuff in the store, 
But again, really odd to see SpaceX front and center when you walk in. Now, due to weather, they did not try to launch the rocket on Tuesday, so we had some time to kill. And of course, we went to Disney World in Orlando to kill that time. And the first stop was at Disney Springs, where they have a VR experience called The Void. And here I am, along with my friend Antonio Paranache, who helped me with my production work this week. And we opted for the Star Wars experience there, of course. They also now have a Ralph Breaks the Internet experience, if you want something a little less intense. Uh, And it was a lot of fun. Graphically, it did not impress me. It was about the same level of graphical fidelity I get on my PC based VR setup upstairs. I've got the HTC Vive, so I was very familiar with room scale. Uh, The graphics of the actual VR experience here are about what I get out of my PC with a GTX 1080 GPU inside. Uh, The field of view on the headset uh, wasn't much better either. It's a standard Oculus headset inside of that contraption. Uh, But on the front of it, you can see that sensor there in the front on the headset. Uh, they have one of those leap motion sensors that detects your hands uh, in space. And it was kind of cool because you could put your hands up and do this with your fingers and see your virtual character's hands uh, doing the same thing tracked very accurately. That was really pretty cool about how well that worked there. Uh, And overall, I would say the experience was really fun because there's a lot that you interact with throughout the 10 or 15 minutes that you're in this VR world. Uh, What the story is, is that you are uh, being sent to uh, this Imperial base by one of the guys from Rogue One as spies, and they dress you up like stormtroopers. And there's four of you on your team. Everyone is sized based on their physical size. You can kind of get a feel as to who you're uh, walking around with. And the very first thing you do is kind of break open the door uh, of this Imperial base. And it's this big handle that a couple of people have to grab onto and, and, and pull down. And it's got a real nice feel to it. The door opens and all hell breaks loose when you walk in. And what's cool is that you're able to walk around. There's no limit to where you can go. Uh, if there's a wall, you can feel it. Uh, again, some of those things that you might interact with in the game are uh, there physically in the right spot. So when you go to reach for that handle, it's exactly where you think it might be. Again, this is all stuff I've experienced with my HTC Vive and the room scale uh, ex- VR experiments that they have on that. So that didn't blow me away too much. But again, it was really fun to have that total freedom of motion to walk around. Uh, the tracking was pretty good overall. I did find occasionally that uh, if you were pushing a button, the button would be over maybe a little bit to the left more than it looked like on screen. And I also found that people were tending to get bunched together as you were walking through uh, the different portions of the game. Uh, and when you were bunched together, it was having a hard time keeping track of where I was because maybe somebody was blocking one of my sensors or something. So the floor would sometimes look a little shaky. Uh, so it wasn't perfect, but it was fun. Uh, Did it blow me away? No, but I think if you've never tried VR before, uh, this might be a really fun place to start with it. And then if you go home and buy yourself a PC-based system, you'll be experiencing it in a very similar way. So that was pretty cool. Uh, The backpack itself looks like some high-end PC. It's got a lot of cooling on the back, and there's a huge battery that goes in here at the bottom, and it weighs quite a bit. I would say if you're going with like a, a kid that's maybe 10 or 11 years old, they might have a hard time with that backpack. It's really heavy, uh, but once you get it on, it feels natural given that you're kind of a stormtrooper with all of your gear running into this uh, secret base and stuff. So uh, I got used to it pretty quickly, but that was one thing that I noticed right out of the gate was that the backpack... Uh, was rather heavy. But overall, it was a fun VR experience that 
uh, is definitely worth taking a shot at. It's not cheap, though. I think it's about $30 a person, so you're going to have to outlay a little bit here. But if you were uh, interested in it, I think it's definitely something I would recommend. Uh, But if you are very familiar with VR, you won't be blown away by it, but you will, I think, enjoy having the freedom to walk in a much larger area than current room-scale systems allow. And then we headed over to Epcot, which was my favorite park as a kid, Uh, One of the things that I loved about Epcot when it was at its prime in the 80s was the fact that they tried to predict the future and all the rides were kind of focused on uh, some prediction of what things might be like uh, when we get to the future. Now that we're in the future, uh, a lot of it is more educational. It's not really trying to predict all that much. And that was kind of the disappointment I had with Epcot. It lacked the wonder uh, that it had for me as a kid. Maybe I'm just old and jaded now. That could be what part of the problem is, but... It wasn't feeling the same to me as it did way back then, but the International Pavilion has come a long way, actually, and we spent a little bit more time out there and had a very good meal there as well. And now it's time for a Q&A from you, the viewers, and our first question comes in from HDMKV, who really enjoyed our coverage of the SpaceX launch and said it's sad that news outlets don't cover this kind of stuff anymore. And I agree with him on this. It is sad that things like this are not covered as much as they used to be. And this is, by the way, nothing new. Remember, uh, the moon landings became so uninteresting to the media after the first or second one that uh, one could argue that Congress stopped funding it because the public's attention uh, just wasn't on space exploration at that point. Part of the problem is is that although the moon landings were exciting and uh, really an amazing accomplishment for humanity, uh, each launch was the same as the one before, and I think the media just lost interest in it. The difference now, though, is that there is a lot of independent media that is springing up covering the space program and all of its progress in a way that's never been covered before. And there's a lot of folks down at these launches now reporting on that to people that are super interested in that topic. So that is encouraging to see. Uh, One problem, too, is that NASA and SpaceX provide this awesome footage to the media free of charge, which is far better than the media could get even if they sent down a crew of people to cover these things. So what's happening more often than not is that they'll take some of the cooler images from the launch of that day, do a 20 or 30 second on-air read with the footage running as B-roll, and that will be what you end up with. And again, it's really hard for any member of the media to capture uh, this kind of imagery. So that might be part of what's driving it is the fact that there's just no need to send anybody Hence, no need to give it as much time as it probably deserves on a nightly newscast. But again, I think there's something developing here with the independent media that uh, is very encouraging. I got to meet a lot of those folks out at the press site. Uh, Here, some of them are setting up cameras to uh, do a remote capture of the rocket before it took off. Uh, So what happens is you set your cameras up there. Uh, And then a sound trigger that everyone uses on their cameras will uh, start pushing the shutter when that rocket takes off. You can't get that close to the rocket at launch time, but your cameras can be uh, left out there. Uh, And in this case, those cameras were left out overnight because the launch got canceled and they had to go back out and reset everything and change out batteries and stuff. This is one area that I want to get into next is building out a little remote camera rig. Uh, They don't sell this stuff in a store. You have to basically design your own. And what's cool about the uh, work that people do out there is everybody has a different way of doing it. Some people put a plastic bag around their camera. Others have enclosures, and they all get some amazing imagery for their respective websites. Now, if you are really into space and share space-related things on your social media feeds on a regular basis, then you might want to look at applying for a NASA social event. 
they have these before just about every NASA mission, and they also have some other cool things you can do, like going behind the scenes at NASA research facilities, for example. I did this back in uh, 2010 for the last launch of Space Shuttle Discovery. You can see me uh, down there on the uh, ground there. And I met a lot of fun people at this event. Some of these folks I'm still uh, talking to regularly today. Uh, so this was just an awesome experience, which, by the way, kind of set my whole independent media career in motion. I wasn't doing all that much media creation as a creator until that event, and this kind of changed my direction in life and uh, got me going in a whole new way. And a lot of people that went to this thing had similar life-changing experiences, including one guy now who works in mission control. He went back to school, got an aeronautical engineering degree, and now works for NASA uh, at the control center. Isn't that amazing? So uh, this is one of those experiences that I strongly suggest you apply for Uh, if you are interested in potentially doing something similar uh, in covering a launch to what I just did. And you can apply uh, at the link you see on screen. What they are looking for are people who have a real strong interest in space exploration and share things with their friends on a regular basis. What NASA is doing with this is trying to reach out to audiences that they're not getting to Uh, through their own efforts, or even through the very minimal mainstream media coverage of these events. And they look for uh, what you're sharing, how often, uh, and not necessarily audience size either. So the people that I went with to that space shuttle experience had audience sizes all over the place, and I wasn't that big at all at that point, but they uh, thought I was interesting enough to invite down. So I would apply. You may not get into one, but you might at some point. So just keep applying and see what happens. You do have to pay your own way, so this is not a free trip, uh, but once you get there, you'll have a credential that will get you onto uh, the NASA press site, for example, where I just was, or uh, some of the other press facilities at their other uh, launch facilities around the country. And by the way, you don't have to be an American citizen for many of these either. In fact, I met a bunch of people from all over the world at the space shuttle experience I went to. So check it out. It is really worth doing if you have an interest in this stuff. And I would prepare for it by starting to share more and more space exploration topics uh, with your followers on social media, even just your friends. They will see that. And I think that will help uh, get you an opportunity to experience one of these things close up as well. All right, so let's get back to some of our usual topics here. And Big Len wrote in about streaming services and whether or not the field is getting way too saturated. He says there are many different services at varying price points, and it's getting hard to figure out whether or not any of these services are worth it. I took a look at my current setup, and this is what I'm subscribed to at the moment. Uh, CBS I only subscribe to when uh, Star Trek Discovery is on. After that, I turn it off. And that's one thing that really bugs me is that I really don't like the idea of paying for a streaming service for one show or maybe two or three shows. You know, if they're going to have the new Picard show on CBS soon, too. I'd much prefer just to buy the show on iTunes for 40 or 50 bucks and be done with it and have access to it all the time. So that's one thing I've not been happy about. I'm on Hulu just because there was a 99 cent per month holiday special. I've watched it maybe twice since I subscribed to it. So I don't think I'm going to keep that subscription much longer. Uh, YouTube Premium I am subscribed to, which is different than the TV service. Uh, I watch YouTube probably more than any of these other services, really. I, I really enjoy YouTube content. I love watching my other creators because they're talking about things that I'm really interested in. So the YouTube Premium subscription has been a great 
uh, investment for me because a lot of those dollars go directly to the people that I'm watching. We've talked about that in the past, how uh, creators really do well over uh, with premium versus regular ad revenue. Uh, and I've been very pleased with how fast the videos come up when there's no ad to display with them. It's a great experience if you haven't tried it yet. Uh, so I really recommend that one. I have Amazon Prime, so I have Prime Video. The kids watch a lot of uh, kids' content on Prime. They've got some good stuff on there. Uh, the Expanse is coming back soon to Prime, so that was good. Uh, Netflix, I'm having some thoughts about perhaps canceling in the next couple of months, uh, primarily because of their new fee increase, which I'll talk about in a second. And then I have HBO Go because I do have an HBO subscription through my bundled cable package right now. Uh, but I rarely watch HBO either. So I think of the two here, uh, Netflix and HBO are kind of on the chopping block. And my decision on Netflix got a little bit easier uh, because I just got this email about their new pricing. It's going up to $16 a month, which is a lot for something that I don't watch all that often. Uh, my kids do watch a little bit of Netflix content, but I think I can get away with uh, Amazon Prime and maybe buying some of the shows that they watch frequently uh, just to save myself that Netflix subscription because I'm really not seeing a lot of value to it. There is so much stuff on Netflix that when I turn it on, I don't even know where to start. I, I kid you not, I spend most of my time just browsing through the list of content. And by the time I get through browsing everything, I'm too tired to watch anything. Uh, so typically what I do on Netflix, if I'm looking for something to watch as I boot up an old episode of Star Trek The Next Generation or Deep Space Nine or something is comfort food. I'm really not watching Netflix at all. My wife isn't watching all that much either. So I'm thinking at that price, it's probably time to start thinking about my relationship with Netflix, just given that I'm not really getting anything out of that service for the money that I'm paying. Uh, we're also seeing some of these cable TV service replacements getting more expensive uh, YouTube TV is going to be bringing their price up dramatically to $50 a month uh, due to the Discovery Channel. And what's happening with these over-the-top services like YouTube TV or the Sony View service or uh, some of the other ones that are out there is that they work just like your traditional cable packages do and that you have all these channels that you may or may not watch and you can't pick them out a la carte. And that is a big uh, no deal for me because I really want more choice than... Uh, what these networks are providing to me. I don't have an interest in ESPN. I don't have any desire to watch ESPN, but I can't get a over-the-top service without it uh, because the, the business model that these new services are providing are identical to how the cable services used to work and still work in that the uh, provider that you're subscribed to has to pay to get the network delivered to you and they have them really in a position where uh, they can charge these services whatever they want or risk losing them. And I'm sure YouTube TV looked at this saying, we can't afford to lose Discovery if our competitors have it, so we're going to just have to raise the price. I don't see any of these over-the-top things working uh, much longer, given I think the business model is obsolete. But here's what I am excited about. Disney Plus came out at a price that I think is very reasonable, uh, especially given the uh, depth of content that they will likely offer through it. $6.99 a month or $70 a year ad-free. It launches November 12th. It's got a new Star Wars show, so it's got me hooked already. I think there's two or three Star Wars shows that are going to be on Disney+. And it's going to be other content, apparently, as well. So they're really gunning for Netflix here at a significantly lower price. And this might be something that uh, I am going to probably almost definitely do in November, uh, right around the time that I probably get rid of my Netflix account. And I'm hoping that whatever Disney is doing here will uh, push the other competitors to lower their pricing as well. 
because this might be the a la carte thing we've been looking for where the content provider or creator sells direct to consumer, which is what Disney is doing here. And they can afford to offer it at this price. And I think they can uh, really start moving the needle on the cost of offering other people's content as well. And I'll tell you what, if I had two or three services or maybe four at this price point, I'm all for it. I don't think that's that unreasonable. But 17 bucks or 16 bucks a month for Netflix, too much. So let's see what happens. But I am excited about Disney+. Plus. Now, this next question comes in from Dennis Olaf in response to our QNAP NAS review we did the other day. Uh, he's wondering whether or not I prefer Synology over QNAP. And he got a response to that question that largely mirrors my thoughts on this. And that comes from Tiny Teapot. Uh, who says that Synology wins hands down on the operating system department. No doubt about that. They do have a better OS that is easier to use and understand. But QNAP does tend to push the hardware a little bit more than uh, Synology does. So, for example, with QNAP, you can get you know, regular Intel i5 or i7 processors configured on your device if you want. They, of course, have some of those HDMI output options. And I do think they're a little bit further along in their implementation of Docker and virtualization. So I think if you're looking for a device that does a little bit more of what a PC might do or has the horsepower of a PC, then perhaps a uh, QNAP might be worth looking at. But my personal preference uh, are the Synology devices. I keep going back to them uh, after trying uh, the QNAPs and find that the Synology interface and its overall operating system are just superior at this point, but there are some good reasons to consider QNAP if your hardware requirements do require that. And that leads us to our last question from Latent Existence about whether or not we should even be calling them NAS devices anymore. They're really kind of full-blown home servers at this point. And I still think that some kind of title that differentiates them from a computer is important because these devices really are appliances. You plug them in, they boot up and they do a task. And of course, those tasks involve running a lot of other tasks in, in the course of the operation of the device, like different server applications and that sort of thing. But uh, really, they are appliances and their primary job is providing storage to your network. So I do think NAS is still something that applies, but perhaps storage appliance or some other kind of more descriptive word uh, might be a better way to go about it. Uh, if you have a PC, uh, you do have to do a lot of that configuration and installation yourself, whereas on the NAS devices from the big manufacturers, WD, Synology, and QNAP, uh, you are largely getting a device that works out of the box, and then you can easily install other uh, apps on them to accomplish other server tasks. And now it's time for our pick of the week, which is going to be the Everyday Astronaut. I met him out at the NASA press site the other day. I might try to get him on for an interview at some point. It's kind of a neat story. He bought a Russian spacesuit on a whim and then started photographing himself doing everyday tasks with the spacesuit on. And they're actually pretty fun photos. And that led to him creating a YouTube channel where he educates the public about space exploration. So it was a fun uh, thing that he's put together here. He's got a good amount of traffic and subscribers, and he's definitely a fun person to follow uh, on the YouTube platform. So check him out there. Now, this week on the channel, we're going to be getting back to normal to some degree. Uh, we've got a gaming PC that came in from Acer that I hope to review uh, very soon. So check that one out when it comes out. It's uh, under $1,000. It's got an AMD GPU and an Intel 
i5 processor, kind of a cool case design too for the price point. So we'll look at that and we'll also see what you might be able to put together on your own if you were to build one. So that's coming up. Uh, we also will have an update uh, sponsored by Withings on my weight loss story from last year. So you recall I did a story about uh, how I lost about 40 or 45 pounds and how I kept it off and how I use technology to do that. Well, this will be an update on where we've been in the last year and whether or not I've been able to keep my weight where I want it to be and some of the ways I am monitoring my weight uh, with the uh, Withing scale that I use every morning. This is another one of those sponsorships of a product that I happen to use every day, so uh, we'll have that. We'll also probably have another review or two uh, throughout the week here. I'm just getting back and organized, so hopefully you'll see uh, some more stuff popping up on the channel this week too. It's always hard to get going again when you've had a nice uh, little trip, even though it was a busy trip. It still takes a little bit of time to get back into the swing of the usual routine. Now, if you want to support the channel, you can. You can go to lon.tv support and make a monthly or a one-time contribution to the channel. We also have my other channels, including the Extras channel, where we've got unboxings and supplementary content. We also have my podcast at lon.tv slash podcast, where we have audio versions of this show. The Snippets channel has portions of this show broken out into search-friendly bits that are easier to share with your friends. And of course, we have my live streams at lon.tv slash live streams, which we've been doing a lot more of lately, just because my internet connection has been doing slightly better. Uh, so we'll have more of those coming up in the near future as well. Lots of content on that uh, playlist feed there, actually. Now, if you want to get notified every time I go live, you can click the bell, and that will send you a notification on your smart devices, and I think by email too, so do that if you want to be uh, let known when something gets put up on the channel here. Now, we have some other ways that you can engage with the channel. We've got my email list at lon.tv email. This is a very occasional email blast. I will only send it out when I've got something special to talk about, like the recent SpaceX adventure that we went on. I'm thinking about actually creating one that sends out all the videos that I did on a weekly basis. If you're interested in that, uh, let me know down in the comments and I'll get that started because I do think the YouTube algorithm, even with the notification bell, is not letting people know about things as much as I was hoping it would. Uh, so stay tuned for that. Uh, we have my Facebook page at lon.tv Facebook. We put up snippets of this channel on there as well. Uh, we have the Facebook group, which is getting close to, I think, 650 participants at this point. It is a great resource for me and for many of you. It's a great place to interact with other viewers. So if you haven't yet signed up, please do. Two simple questions get you in. So be sure to do that. And uh, we welcome you to our little club on Facebook there. And then we have my store at lon.tv store, where I sell things that I've previously reviewed here on the channel at a lower price than they were new. And if you want to get notified every time I update the store, you can go to lon.tv slash store alert. And that is going to do it for this week's weekly wrap-up. Thank you all for watching that SpaceX thing. It's not our normal type of content, but it's something that I am into, like, very passionately. So I am glad I was able to share that with all of you and found that many of you uh, tuned in to watch it. If you haven't watched it yet, please do. Uh, you can find that again in the master playlist link down below. And I'll also put in a few other NASA videos that I have done over the years that you can take a look at too. So that is going to do it for now. Please keep those questions and comments coming. And until next time, this is Lon Seidman. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.TV supporters, including Gold Level supporters, the Four Guys with Quarters podcast, Tom Albrecht, and Kalyan Kumar. 
If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. Head over to lon.tv slash support to learn more. And don't forget to subscribe. Visit lon.tv slash s.